All right, everybody, Sunday, January 22nd. It's a big day. It's a big day. We've been talking for, I think, about a month ago or a month and a half ago. We announced that we were doing some sort of partnership, unionship, marriage of the Too Deep podcast. And um, we were kind of noodling around with what that was going to look like. And we have figured it out. So if you are on the Too Deep feed or the Sons of Saturday feed, it is on both. And we are introducing a new show called Memory Lane. Now with Memory Lane, what we'll do is there have been some awesome moments in Virginia Tech history. You look back at basketball, you look back at wrestling, you look at football, you look at all of the amazing things that happened in Virginia Tech athletics, but nobody really talks about them. We don't go back and relive those moments. So this channel is going to be dedicated to that, going back, paying homage, all of the nostalgia, all the feelings, all the smiles, all the heartbreak, we're going to relive it on this. It's called Memory Lane. So again, if you're on Sons of Saturday, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to the Memory Lane podcast. If you are already subscribed to the Too Deep feed, this will now serve as the Memory Lane show. I'm Billy Ray Mitchell from Sons of Saturday. I am joined by Sam Jesse from Locks of Saturday and Sons of Saturday. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great. Big, uh, big women's basketball dub today. That's so right. We got some good vibes in the building. Uh, we've been talking about this conversation we're going to have tonight for a while. I think it's going to be really fun and some great off-season content. That's right. And I'm also joined by Pete Berthaud, formerly of the Two Deep Podcast and now part of the Sons of Saturday family. How you doing, Pete? Dude, I'm pumped. I'm ready to, you know, take my first dive into the pool with you guys. Uh, and we got that big wrestling win on Friday, which I wanted to mention, you know, same yes. cover the women's, but the wrestling win was so awesome on Friday night. And we needed it with how mm-hmm. things are going for the men's basketball team and how the season ended in football. So I'm ready for this, dude. This is going to be a fun conversation tonight. I have no idea how they do scoring for wrestling. It makes no sense to me, but our guys looked really good out there. So So some of you might be wondering, what are we talking about today? I mean, we're already a minute and a half in the show. Nobody knows what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the college football playoff. We have closed the book on the 2022 season, and a big conversation point has been the college football playoff, which is expanding from four to 12 teams And we're going to talk about what that looks like, what it means for college football as a whole, what it means for Virginia Tech moving forward, and yes, what it could have meant for Virginia Tech in years prior. So Sam, set the table. Tell us a little bit about what is getting started, what it is, how it works. Let's kick this thing off. All righty. Well, this is happening a lot quicker than what a lot of people thought. And I think that's the important thing to look at is the powers that be that run college football, most mostly Greg Sankey and the SEC and ESPN, have decided that this is the way to go forward and that they need to do it as soon as possible. So I think that's just something to keep in mind as we talk about this is that a lot of people had to sign off on this happening 
And then even more people had to sign off on it happening very quickly, which number one, they're going to make a whole lot of money off of it. But number two, I think a lot of people think this is going to be a really good thing for the sport. So what is it? Well, starting in the 2024, 2025 season. So yes, one season after what we have coming up here, the college football playoff will be bracket pool, 12 teams with four teams getting a buy. So the five highest ranked conference champions will be an automatic qualifier. Now, something to keep in mind, nowhere does it say power five conference champions. It says five highest ranked conference champions. That could be, you know, the SEC, ACC, Big 12, Big 10, and the MAC, the Mountain West, the Pac-12. You would love that. You'd be I would love that. The Sun Belt, which it very well could be the Sun Belt here as things are going. But the five highest ranked conference champions are automatic qualifiers. So the conference championship games do matter. Second bullet point on that. Higher ranked seeds will host the first round, which means you will get on-campus college football games like it was meant to be played on Saturday afternoons on college campuses. That's going to be amazing. So here's a quote from an article uh, from Sporting News. It's really, really uh, informative and goes into it. Quote, the 12-team format will feature in order the top four conference champions followed by some combination of top six at-large bids and two highest-ranked remaining conference champions. Teams will be ordered based on the college football playoff rankings. So the rankings will still determine the seeds. I think you have to think about it a lot how March Madness works, where you win your conference, you get in, but then everything's based on seeding. Uh, I think this sets up so that teams in the ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, you know, you have an opportunity to be a top four seed, even if you aren't a top four team. Uh, I think that's very important. Thoughts on that, on the, on the whole bracket? I'll start. I, for one, you mentioned the Sun Belt. They're huge winners in this access for them and the Mountain West. Like those are probably, I mean, with the American losing teams, it's hard to say whether they're the sixth best anymore. It could be the Sun Belt. It could be Mountain West. It could be the American. And also there's probably more reverberations to come, but huge for just access in general. And I want to talk more about access when we get to like, you know, the effect on college football, but the four home games are huge and such a cool part of this. And what they did, I think it's great with 12 teams rather than, than eight. It kind of walks the line between the people who say you're, you're missing out on the importance of the season because you're adding too many teams because like the buys are huge and that's vastly important. If you want to win a national championship, you need a buy most likely that's, that's, that's my opinion, but also you're incentivized to get that five through eight slot because you get a home game, which is a huge advantage on the field and monetarily a huge advantage off the field as well. So there are so many things I like about, and I think there's a lot of different things they did here that are pretty cool. It keeps the regular season important, how the seating works. It keeps it very, very important. I'll say this too. Um, you saw that we were throwing the word conference around and conference championships. I'm interested to see how Notre Dame decides what they're going to do. And some of these other independent schools determine what they're going to do. If it means that we've had a couple of years where Notre Dame, if you think, ah, could they have bolstered their resume with a conference championship? Would it have made a difference? Notre Dame's kind of escaped that. And I think Notre Dame unfairly is criticized for having a soft schedule when in reality if you go look at your, their schedule 
they often have one of the harder schedules in the country. That's just the way that it usually shakes out. So, but Notre Dame will have to make a decision here. Do you not want to have logos uh, on the Pepsi stands and on the sidelines, or do you want to play for a college football championship? So that's a very interesting question they're going to have to ask. Well, I'll tell you, Billy Ray, with Notre Dame um, and our, our friend Sons of Saturday Notre Dame, I think they know this very well. This was a bit of a slap in the face to Notre Dame because they went out of their way almost to say, Notre Dame is not going to be a top four seed. Um, so that's going to be really interesting going forward as they continue to play really well with, with Freeman as their head coach. Uh, and by the way, they might have the toughest schedule in the country next year. So uh, there will not be any question uh, next year for that one. But yeah, Notre Dame becomes really interesting. It does. And I initially thought the same thing, like, wow, Notre Dame maybe got a little screwed because they can't be a top four seed. But it depends on what they're chasing. If they want to be in the playoff every year, they have better access with this model than almost any other team in the country because they don't got to play a conference championship, have that good team at the end of the year uh, that they could potentially lose to. And with their schedule, though it can be tough some years, they control that. If they see this playing out in a way that like, hey, if we manipulate this game, this game, take out one power five, put in one G5, we can get to the playoff this year, you know, and they can control that going forward if they're like, we're going to be top 12, so we'll get it. And that's money that they get. They don't have to share with anybody. So it's it depends on what Notre Dame wants. If they want a national championship, not getting a buy ever is going to make that very challenging. All right, so let's get into where these games are going to be played. I think this is really interesting, and there's some key nuances to this that I, I think is is just crazy college football weirdness and perfect. So uh, according from the college football playoffs website, the first round of the playoff in 2024 will take place the week ending Saturday, December 21st at either the home field of the higher seed team or at another site designated by the higher seeded institution. I'm going to pause right there, which means let's say you are number six in the country Crap, I don't know. JMU. Let's say JMU runs the table in the sun. Oh, you're just leaning into the weird here, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, I mean, I can name it Boise State. Okay. I, I mean, TCU uh, was TCU. number three in the country, went back back at a time when they Your were in a small conference. Holds, I mean, TCU Stadium holds like about 45K. Yeah. Imagine if you're TCU and saying, what if we just sold 90,000 tickets down the road in Arlington at Cowboy Stadium? Or what if you are Maryland and you say, hey, the new owner of the Washington Commanders, Jeff Bezos, just, just built a gajillion dollar stadium down the road. Let's play there. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And I think that's a really cool part they put in there to give some athletic departments some flexibility if they maybe don't have the on-campus facilities to host such an event. Um, I think I, I, Was that uh, at all based? I heard something about like weather, like for instance, like Minnesota. If they if they make the playoff and have a home game in late December or January, like it. it could be negative eight. Play it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I, I think one thing is like let's say LSU is you know LSU is the twelve seed and they have to play five seed Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin is going to really try to play that game in Camp Randall. But let's say there is inclement weather, uh, something like that. It does give you the flexibility to to move that around. Yeah. I also wonder how from a schedule, and we'll talk a little bit into the. I guess we could do it now because we're talking about locations. I wonder how, A, fast those need to be, those decisions need to be made, right? 
How much of a heads up do you need to give? And two, one of my biggest questions, fears is how is the money? Is it going to be if Virginia Tech is hosting a home game? A, do season ticket holders get first dibs or face value price for college football playoff games? What is the buying process for the home team to get their seats? If I have seats in Section 5 and we're hosting a game and I don't have those seats for the college football playoff, I'm going to be upset. I'm going to have some issues with that. How are they going to handle tickets for students? Are students, because most students won't be on campus during the college football playoff, are students still going to have their, their seats? I would assume not, but it would be pretty funny to see 80, 70, and 60-year-olds in North End Zone. That would be pretty funny. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle all of the, um, all of the logistics, where the money goes. Uh, well, Billy, I mean, Virginia Tech's never had a problem getting their logistics right for football games, so I'm sure it'll be just fine. <laughs> I mean, if we look look to the NFL, the Cleveland-Buffalo game that they had to move to Detroit, they made that decision on a Tuesday evening, um, and that was made. And keep in mind, major college football programs charter flights. NFL teams don't charter flights. They take commercial flights. So they were able to do it with 80, however many people they need to bring. Um, they were able to do that on a Tuesday evening, inclement weather. I'm guessing colleges will be able to, if they get three or four days notice, that's going to be pretty easy for them. Would also, would you see teams, surrender is probably the wrong word, but let's say we get a Texas-Oklahoma game. Are they going to play that at the Cotton Bowl? Would they do that? Probably not. But would you see at all ever if two teams had an inclement weather deal, I'm just trying to figure out if you would ever see some something where the two teams got a deal to play at a stadium in the middle of both schools. You don't think that an NFL stadium would say, hey, Michigan, you guys have this game coming up. Michigan's a bad example because of how big their stadium is. Yeah. But let's just use, let's just use uh, Cincinnati. <laughs> the we'll biggest use, one. <laughs> yeah, we'll use Cincinnati as one. Hey, Cincinnati. Come play this game at uh, Detroit's field or come play this game at uh, the Bengals stadium and we're going to give you X amount of kickback if you're willing to do that. Could you see that happen too? Yeah, you could. I just don't know if a school would ever want to take the focus off of their camp. Like there's no way Tech would ever play you know, at Washington no. Stadium. I wasn't even going to say FedEx because that mm. would never, ever happen. But say they built a brand new, shiny, awesome stadium in between Richmond and D.C., uh, we, I don't think we'd ever play it there. I think it's going to have to be a very specific scenario, but I also love that they put that in there because I love weird, wild scenarios in mm-hmm. college football. Georgia you, Tech at the, uh, Georgia Tech playing at the Falcon stadium. There's a better example. Yeah. That's, that's a perfect a, example. It took me a while yeah. to get there, but there's one. That that's, a, that's a, a really good one and pr- is probably likely. I would almost have to assume. However, you know, the Peach Bowl is one of the six bowls, and that's another thing about this college football playoff expansion. Quarterfinals and semifinals are played at the New Year Six sites. And so two things about that. One, now you're going to play like a, a not a quarterfinal, but whatever comes before that round one, round two at this at, you know, in Atlanta at the same stadium. And then if you were to win the first bowl game, now teams can play in two bowl games per year. Like if you ever think about that, like, cause the semifinals are bowls. So you could play in the sugar bowl and you could play in the orange bowl in the same season. It's kind of nuts. Would Cal 
Who plays at the Rose Bowl? Cal or UCLA? UCLA. Could UCLA get a double home game? Could UCLA yeah. play at the Rose Bowl and then play at the Rose Bowl the next week? Yes, they and could. We're talking because, about teams that I don't yeah. anticipate. Tell them, Sam. <laughs> well, that's that's the exact next point. So for the let's call it the second round, right where you have eight teams left. The or wait, yeah, when you have eight teams left, the higher ranked team of said matchup gets to choose where they play. So let's say LSU wins it. They play the first game at Death Valley. All right, now there's the four bowls, orange, sugar, cotton, rose. They're going to play. All right, we're going to play in the sugar bowl, basically That's have so another cool. home game. I love, I love that. that so cool. it, again, really, really incentivizes the regular season. Just getting in is not good enough because there are so many advantages to be had by being the higher seed. It's not just the matchup like we see in March Madness. Yeah, this plan for the playoff is so, like, good in my opinion the way it's set up whether you like having a playoff or not the actual setup of the playoff is so good like i can't believe college administrators came up with it like it is actually <laughs> real like the best thing they've done in so long and it, it's done by like what fans would want you know like oh let's let alabama choose where they want to play their semifinal game or quarterfinal game it is it's really cool so real quick just because i'd like to do the exercise if you all, if Virginia Tech had a choice of those four venues, I'm a, for me, I don't care if we're playing USC. I want to go to the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl, at, I don't care what it is. Look, New Orleans is fine. Okay. Atlanta's fine. None of it's the Rose Bowl. I'll do anything to watch Virginia Tech play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree that that is very cool. It's just, could you imagine Wit saying, oh, no, we can, we can play in Atlanta? in between all of our fan base kind of ish, but no, we're going to f- make you all fly to LA. I, we'll I think start, most people we'll would be cool with it. We'll start a petition. We'll <laughs> say, I, think, I guarantee I, I'll go to the game. If we play here, <laughs> I think the Rose bowl is so, I mean, it's the, the Mecca of college football. Honestly, I think that's the outlier. Um, personally, if it's not the Rose bowl, I say the sugar bowl because I just think, Growing up, we, the 95 team won the Sugar Bowl. The Natty was played in the Sugar Bowl. Um, the been 04, to other times. Been to, uh, the 04 team lost to a stacked Auburn team in, in the Sugar Bowl. Um, it's a it's New Orleans. Um, it's in the South. Like it's funny it's, that it's a football Rose, town too. Yeah, like the Rose Bowl is in the mecca of, is the mecca of college football in so many ways, and it's not in the area of college football really in the, in the Mecca of wait, there are games on today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so move it. We have one more round, right? So the championship round and then the championship is played at whatever site pays the most money. Just like the super bowl or it's whatever. yeah, it's, it's going to be LA, mm-hmm. Miami, new Orleans, Arizona, Dallas. Yep. And it's just going to rotate between those pretty much. Uh, which I which I, I don't have a problem with. I think SoFi as a stadium is has some issues apparently, but I don't have an I don't I mean that's just how sports championships work across the world now. So I'm okay with that. I think the best thing to do here, and before we dive into like the specifics and what this meant for tech, I'm going to Sam and Pete, I'm going to talk to you guys as the skeptic that I once was. I have come around to it, but here are some of the skeptic issues that I had. 
We're never going back to the BCS ever. It's not going to happen. It's like toothpaste out of the tube. But I do want to say before opt-outs, basically before 2016, I felt like the BCS was perfect. I loved that every game mattered. I loved that the regular season mattered. You had special moments like the Crabtree pulls free against Texas. They knocked them out of the national championship. You had the 2007 backyard brawl where, oh my gosh, Rich Rodriguez is who we thought, thought think Nick Saban is now. This guy's amazing. West Virginia is going to the national championship and Pitt stomps that out. I felt like the BCS usually got it right and the BCS games were extremely competitive. You didn't see a lot of blowouts. Now, this changed. We moved to a playoff for two reasons. And the two reasons are stack ranked very drastically apart. Money, A1, top shelf, a million miles off of the ground. And then a little bit below that was the opt-outs. And the two that stand out really early were Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette, who both sat out the same year of their bowl games, 2016. Sadly, and I hated this, they took a ton of crap for it. A ton of crap for it. But it sparked the question in other athletes is, do I really want to play in the Gasparilla bad boy mowers game if I'm a guaranteed top 10 pick? Do I want to do that? I'm not competing for a championship. Do I really want to play in the Meineke Car Bowl and risk my opportunity to make millions of dollars? And players started saying, no. And regardless of how you feel about it as a viewer, as a competitor, or other college football players who had a problem with it, at the end of the day, it's completely understandable. So that's why we're here. My other problem with the college football playoff is I feel like you should need to earn the right to play for a championship. And to me, in football, the goal is finding the best team and identifying who the best team is. I look back at 2016. There were five teams with a three-loss record that fell in the top 12. This year, a 10-4 and Kansas State team who had a solid season and then gets crushed by Alabama, they would have been in the playoff this year. In 2012, Wisconsin won the Big Ten after going 8-6 and six and posting a 500 record in conference. Another team that likely would have made the playoff under this umbrella. Uh, well, maybe not. And I know that you make a fair point, but that's the caveat with six highest ranked champs. If you're not in the top 12, because they're still doing the selection committee rankings. And if that wasn't clear, hopefully everyone knows that they're still doing the selection committee rankings. So if you go eight and five and you win your conference, and even if it's the big 10, most likely you're not going to be in the final top 12. Right. And so you're, you're out. And Mm -hmm. and I would almost guarantee that Wisconsin team wouldn't be in, but it's hard. It's hard to say. Right. Uh, And you, and you make a solid point, but they did try to protect against things like that. Mm -hmm. So, that was kind of my issue is an Ohio State team that goes out. And look, this is going to be different now because Ohio State's probably not going to have to win all 12 games to get in the playoff. They're almost certainly not going to have to win all 12 games. But if there is that team that won 12 games and then they're looking at having to play a four-loss, three-loss, two-loss team who has one top 25 win or a conference champion who sneaks in there and you're risking injury to your best running back. We saw what happened to Michigan this year when Blake Corum got hurt and they had issues. So that's my thing. 
it's not really comparable to March. A lot of people like to make that comparison that more is better. It's football. It's more physically demanding, and you have a higher chance of getting injured, in my opinion. Um, however, I came to this conclusion. There is never going to be a world where players are not opting out anymore if they're not competing for a national championship. This is going to get us more football games. It is going to get us more fun cross-conference football games. It is going to get us more Blue Bloods playing Blue Bloods that typically don't play each other or even smaller schools having the opportunity to play Blue Bloods that would never schedule them because they're afraid to schedule them. So I have arrived to the point where I say, you know what? The BCS was great while it lasted. College football had to evolve to meet the changing area and to make some more money. And they did both of those things with this new playoff. I want to make a point about the ruining the importance of the regular season because it's a somewhat fair criticism depending on your view of importance. Because, yes, Texas Tech and and the pick example are great. But you also have like a 13-0 and Auburn team that we played in the 2004 Sugar Bowl that didn't get a shot. And that's that was really unfortunate. So you fix that issue, but also that pit game, West Virginia, the, the Texas tech game and all that, like that still has a massive impact on where these teams will finish in the rankings, which we already talked about by home game. Like these are big incentives picking where you play. So I still think there's going to be a lot of importance on these games. It's just, it's different. It's a different level of importance because back then you could lose those games. You could still end up in the orange bowl potentially. Like I, there was still rewards for those teams. And so, yeah, it's different, but the money aspect, the fun aspect of the matchups, and we'll go into more of the positives. My, one of my bigger concerns was just so much of the conversation with college football is around playoff teams already. That's if you if you watch ESPN at three thirty and they're doing college football live, like they talk about Bama and Georgia and Michigan and Ohio State, and like if you're a fan of tech, you're probably not going to hear your name in that half hour, and that may get worse. However, you're still going to increase the number of playoff teams. It's just that for your teams that are just never going to make the playoff, it, realistically, uh, on any given year, you're. Uh, I don't know, UNLVs or whatever. If you love UNLV football, now you're even like, there's going to be even less talk about anything outside of playoffs. And so that's a concern, but I'm like, I'm stretching because I still think the conversation is so much better with more teams involved later into the year. To the other side of that argument, before we look at what this means for tech, under this format, I almost feel like Tulane didn't get enough love for beating USC because it just so happened to happen right before the national championship and during TCU and everything else. If Tulane, and I'm taking nothing away from what they did this year, they beat a USC team who played basically everybody and it was an incredible win for college football and for that school. But if Tulane beats USC in a college football playoff bracket, that's going to be talked about not just for a week or a day or a couple of Bleach Report things. That is going to be talked about forever, not just in the Tulane community because Tulane will talk about their win over USC forever. USC fans will forget about it in two or three years. If that happens in a playoff setting, it's the story of the year. Well, you know, Bill, you you mentioned March Madness, 5-12 matchup. We get that in this playoff. And, like, there's going to be a year where the 12 upsets the 5, and it's going to be like that Tulane-USC game. And it's going to be memorable and historic and it's it's going to be awesome i can't wait for stuff like that i think one reservation a lot of people have is 
like the safety of players playing that much football, especially the 18 to 22 year olds. Um, now keep in mind, we make the FCS do a bigger schedule anyways. <laughs> um, and no one seems to care about that, but whatever. Um, I never played D one football. Billy Ray, is it really is like one more game really that, I mean, obviously you're, you, you can get injured in non-contact practice, but is it, on your body, is it that really much of a difference? Because it seems like this is just taking away from that month break in December where the big teams aren't doing anything. What I think of the most with a situation like this isn't necessarily just the one more game. It's exactly what you just said. It's no time going set. Like the 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 reservations from expanding the schedule from the NCAA had been, well, they're student athletes first and you can't have them on campus for months after. And then the money showed itself and it was a no brainer. It's what college football decided to do. So these student athletes are now going to be on campus from end of class till mid January, mid to late January. And you're also adding in however many practices because with the current bowl situation, you play your last game of the year and then you have about three weeks off and you play one more game. Now you're going to – so in those three weeks, you have a week – like the starters will have a week off or they'll do a lot less. And then when you get closer to game time, then you ramp it back up. Now you're going from you play your last game, you have a game coming up, you have, you have a conference championship, you have a game coming up, you have a game coming up, and then you have a game coming up. So those starters and the guys who just played 12 games aren't getting a week and a half to get right, a week and a half for treatment. So I think the wear and tear on the body comes more so from the – high level and high intensity practice for those additional three or four weeks. Should we talk about academics or is that just a joke at this and, point? I mean, they're not in layoffs. They're not in, they're not in classes anyways. No. I, I know winter session is a thing for, for some student athletes, but let's the bolt, the prep yeah. though for the playoff game would is, would be right during finals week. I mean, it, like yep. it, it's so, I know like that is secondary to everything at this point. Like it's not even secondary. It's like secondary. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's down, it's down the line. And we um, just saw the NFL yeah. add another game. You know, they talk about player safety all, all those years, concussion movie, whatever they added the 17th game in the NFL. They're adding more games here. And Sam, you're exactly right. They added games years and years ago for FCS. Like that's never been an issue. So it's all been a farce. It's all about who can protect the money. And so they finally figured out a way to like, get more money and share the pie and whatever. And I'm happy because it's better for the fans, but is it better for the student athletes? Probably not. It might be with NIL. It might be. I don't know. I think with NIL, it, it very well could be. Um, and I, and I also think athletic departments themselves have the opportunity to gain a lot more revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, and Without I think that's, a doubt, yeah. that's a big, that's a big driver for this because I mean, just being included in the playoff and getting, part of that TV money that not only do you have to your school and the, and the ticket sales and the increased donations and all of that, but you also, let's say Clemson and Carolina make it in uh, 2024, whatever, you know, part of that money that they get gets allocated evenly to all of the ACC teams. You think Whit Babcock's going to be upset about that if Carolina makes it? No, he's going to be the biggest powder blue fan in the world if Carolina yeah. makes it. So mm -hmm. that's, that's part of it as well. We've poo-pooed it on a little bit enough here. Why don't we go back and we look at what could have been in the history of Virginia Tech? And Sam, I know you crunched, uh, you crunched a lot of these numbers here. 
Um, well, most of this actually comes, Andy Bitter did this like right away. He was ready for this. Um, he usually is. So uh, Andy Bitter did an article for The Athletic um, while this was kind of being discussed and went back to what the mod- modern era, quote unquote, of Virginia Tech football. So from the 95 team um, onwards, how they would have done in a 12 team playoff. Well, they would have made it eight times since then. They would have made it in 95, 96, 99, 2000, 2004, 05, 07, and 09. Oh, so that's so that's four times in the uh, old Big East, um, and then four times in the ACC. And then you have near, near misses in 2008, 2010, and 2011. And honestly, you're probably a snap or two away in 2016 as well. Um, and I know, Pete, you, we talked about this beforehand. The way those rank the rankings are, I think would be a little bit different because you're going to try to get certain brands into the turn into the playoff and, and certain ones not. And and a lot of the earlier stuff that Andy was doing, there was no selection committee. So there's not really nuanced thoughts, conversations about where these teams should be. It's AP poll, it, you know, it's biases and all that stuff. And I'm sure the committee still has biases, but I think with the selection committee, we're getting the best form of the rankings we've had in, in the history of college football, because there's always been issues with who's ranking, who, where coaches, poll, AP poll, that kind of thing. But I, and the conferences have changed drastically and they're going to continue to change. So I had a question for you guys, just looking at our playoff berths, which team other than 99 would have the best shot at a national championship of 95, 96, 2000, 05, 04, and then 2007 and nine. I, I think, it, you know, I, you guys give me your choice of like what, which one of those years would be our best shot at the night. I, I have a really hard time not saying 2000. Yeah, uh, that's the answer. Yeah. I think it's gotta be 2000. And the the grace period is probably not the right answer, but you think back in the t- in history of times where really really good teams didn't make a national championship because somebody nicked up their ankle and missed two weeks, or somebody had a back, somebody had a shoulder. Um, that's the, to me that has to be the answer. And I also think about how many other teams are shaking their heads, saying, "Man, if this existed when such and such got hurt, and he would have been back in a couple of weeks." where would we have been? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, go ahead, Sam. No, I was just saying 2000 is the answer. That team is probably better than the 99 team, but injuries kind of hurt them there. Um, the defense in 07 was legendary and the offense was quite frankly horrific. Um, <laughs> but that was a really good defense in 07. 09 was a good team that could get hot, but, um, in that era of Virginia Tech, I think the offense was just not good enough to play at a high level. I mean, the ACC was pretty down in those years, and Tech just dominated a bit. So I think the answer is 2000. But in that era of football, I mean, that was 07, 09. That was kind of pre-spread, wide-open offense. I mean, teams were running in shotgun, obviously, and throwing the ball all around. But it was nothing like it was today. So if you had a dominant defense, you could hold a team to – 10, 13, 14 points. How I fun think, would that defense against the West, back to West Virginia, how fun would it have been to watch that defense against 
that offense in West Virginia in 2007. Could you imagine like Cam Chancellor filling the gap on a Pat White, Steve Slayton read option? (laughs) Yeah, that that Rich Rod team was was gnarly. And I I'm not sure I'd want to see that team against Bud's defense, but whatever. The 2017 is a really good answer because they were a three seed. So they would have had a buy. And then you look at 2000 was a five seed. So you get a home game in lane. You would have played TCU by the projection and that's good. And you, you probably win that TCU game, but you're, you know, you're matched up against a team that was just off. I, the, the Oh nine team was such a good balance for us. And obviously a little bit more memorable because it is more recent, but Ryan Williams broke the school rushing record that year. Tyrod was nasty. And they won their bowl game. So if you want to look at bowl performances, like the 07 team, they won their bowl, playing good at the end of the year. And the the 09 team, we beat Lane Kiffin in in Tennessee in that in that I think it was New Year's Eve bowl game. And I feel like that 09 team had so much potential. The problem is they're an 11 seed. They're going to go on the road first weekend in someone else's house, and they're going to have a really hard time. That was also the year in 09 that Ryan Williams had the fumble. We're like one fumble away from having two losses instead of three. And so that means we drop from a home game and maybe a chance to go to the ACC title game all the way to an 11 seed. Like the, the the games do matter. Every game, every fumble will matter. Yeah. And I think another point of that too, is like, you're always going to have teams that are having the what if question no matter how big you make this thing. I mean, the NCAA tournament has almost 70 teams. You still have teams going, oh, what if we did, made that one shot? What if you're always going to have that? But I mean, some of those tech teams were so freaking good and they were so talented and they were so well coached and they played so hard and so fast and they didn't really get the national spotlight and maybe remembered as fondly as they probably deserve to be because they didn't really have a shot at the national title. I mean, some of those teams like, when Tech lost to Bama at the beginning of the year in what was virtually a home game for Alabama, right then, as an ACC team, national title hopes kind of over. Yeah. And is that really fair to say to a really talented team with Tyrod Taylor? Like, probably not. Can I, can I give you the flip side of that? Sure. Yeah. The flip side of that is if you're 9-0 and you're ranked in the top – you're, you're a top three team, you're a top four team. You win one more game, do you really care if you win the last two games or do you start resting some guys? Like I'm I'm just, I'm telling you, it, it may not be this specific game, but we might be in a position where the Iron Bowl, Auburn and Alabama are both like, we've punched our ticket. We're into the, we're into the college football playoff. Do I care to start my guys? You're looking at the Michigan-Ohio State game. Yeah. And Ohio State, Ohio State, has everything to play for. They're sitting at, you know, 12, uh, 11, uh, 10 and one. And they're like, you know what? We're going to rest our guys. And Michigan is a four win team and they play everybody else. That's, that's the other side of it. That kind of bums me out is when you get towards the end of the year and these teams start thinking, okay, like we're locked into this spot. We're just going to sit everybody. I don't want to see that, but I, no. I'm telling you, it's going to be, it, it, it will happen at some point. There could be a scenario where maybe there would be, you're not going to fall far enough to fall out or whatever, but I still think that's going to be so rare because of the, the three different tiers of this thing, like that you one loss is 
most likely going to drop you a tier or out. And so I, I don't think, and also if anyone has any goddamn pride, that won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to sit out the, you, you, the iron not, I mean, the iron bolt didn't matter this year and <laughs> Nick Saban put up 50 plus on them or something like, so I did. I wanted to mention the Oh four team too, because they won the ACC title and they won. What was it? They almost beat USC. They almost beat as harsh, but like, they were in that game against USC and everyone like the best teams of all time thought we had a chance. Exactly. Although we had a chance against them in that game, if not for the, the famous PI call, but that team went on and went on a run, went down to Miami, won the ACC in an inaugural season in the ACC. And they would have been an eight seed. So they would have gotten Boise and lane that year and maybe could have made some noise in the, in the playoff. Like they, that was that Brian Randall led team was good. We gave Auburn an undefeated sec team, all they could handle in the sugar bowl. So that, that was a that was a top quality team, that 04 team. All right. So we talked about kind of what it means for Virginia Tech in, in the past. Let's talk about what it means for Virginia Tech in the future or in the present. This is the offseason. It could happen in two years. It can happen. I I think we're we're three relatively optimistic. Hokey fans. I mean, we like to look on the bright side of things. We're going to show up to Lane thinking they're going to win every game, or at least hoping they will. With Personally, this schedule, maybe. With this schedule. <laughs> hey, look, look. Um, we'll get. We, we doing can, record predictions tonight? <laughs> we can get to the schedule. They're, they're, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, we look at the history of Virginia Tech. I think we look at the history of college football and some teams that have gone on stretches of ten plus win seasons. You look at. Programs like Colorado's done that. Iowa's done that. Wisconsin's done that. Oklahoma State, Washington. Um, 10 and 2 is a really attainable record, especially for a team with Virginia Tech schedule. We just did it. We did it a couple. We did it in did it in 2016. You're a game away from doing it in 2017. Um, again, so much of this also hinges on and this is a podcast of its own, what conference does Virginia Tech exist in six years from now, 10 mm-hmm. years from now, 12 years from now? It's going to be so crucially, crucially important to make sure that you're aligned correctly. Um, but no, I mean, it, it opens the door to basically everybody. You know, you you look at a TCU and they, you're saying, this team didn't make a bowl game and they made four and now we get 16 slots to have an opportunity to make it. So it does open the door for everybody else. And it makes it just quite honestly, people are going to be more invested and more optimistic more than likely. Yeah. It's better access for the G five, as we mentioned, but for everyone that's not top tier sec, Ohio state or Michigan, it's better access. And you could make the argument with Oklahoma and Texas going to the sec, USC, UCLA going to the big 10. Did they just actually screw up their chances of getting in the playoff? Yes, <laughs> they hundred percent. They worsened their access to the playoff, I think, because now if they don't win the conference, which is much more difficult because it's just one larger conferences and more difficult conferences, they they were USC would have project been projected under Lincoln Riley to win the Pac-12 almost every year in its current form, and now where are they going to finish in the Big Ten? Probably pretty high up there, but at best they're trading championships with Ohio State and Michigan. And so now, if you're not the conference champ, your likelihood of getting in 
is just significantly lower. So I think, you know, the teams that are moving from the American to the big 12, like that's awesome. Cause you increase your strength of schedule, but it's not so difficult like the ACC that you can't get into the playoff every, any given year. And like for teams like Mississippi state too, that are usually on the outside looking in, never play for the sec title. Well, when they had Dak Prescott, maybe they would have been in, you know, like it's for everyone. That's not blue blood. This is much better access. You also look back at, uh, I forget what year this was. Um, there was a 10th ranked 12 and one Hawaii team that played Georgia in the all state sugar bowl, mm-hmm. which is also crazy to think. Billy Ray, it was 2007, 2007. The weirdest and the year quarterback in was Colt Brennan, Colt Brennan and Hawaii. Yes. RIP to Colt Brennan. One of the greatest, um, Redskin legend. Talk about the regular season, meaning something last mm-hmm. week of the season or second to last week of the season, actually. Um, it was Hawaii's last game. They had a home game against Boise State, and winner went to the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> Sold out Aloha Stadium. That's so cool. You're not gonna you you don't get that in this in the four team format. Like that doesn't matter. Yeah. Imagine if Hawaii and Boise State played both undefeated for a chance to go to the playoff. In imagine the season. imagine LSU, LSU. Imagine LSU having to get on a plane and play a football game in Hawaii. That Hawaii is probably one of the teams that would they'd be like, yo, you're gonna have you're gonna have to <laughs> like I get the rule, but you're gonna have considering to considering Hawaii doesn't have a football stadium right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Play on the beach. Beach ball. Well, yeah. I got a question for you guys. So when all the realignment stuff is happening, we, you know, the SEC's expanding, Big Ten's expanding. A lot of our fans, including myself, are like, this ACC, it, it's dead. Like, we we, we got to get out of this conference. It's going to go broke. The TV deal sucks. All this all this stuff. And if we were invited to join the SEC tomorrow, like, it's a, it's a no-brainer, right? Like, we would say yes, like, in, in your head. Uh, I'm, I'm asking, I mean, I'm, money, I'm trying to direct you a certain way, but like, what, what, like what's, I know the direction you're trying to direct me in because tech, in my opinion, as currently constructed is not winning 10 games with an sec schedule. It's exactly. not happening. Will exactly. we have more money? Yes. Will we have a, uh, maybe a night, a, a, a waterfall in our atrium? Maybe, but are we winning 10 games in the next decade? I don't think so. No, probably not. And that's, and that's the thing. It's like, you give me the choice it's hard to say no to 20 mil a year or whatever the heck it's going to be um but i I just don't know like do you want a chance to win your conference like because unless brent pry is the next Dabo swinney like that that ain't happening in the sec and so I, i don't know we might be positioned well especially with the fundraising we've been doing like we might have a better leg up on most of our other conference constituents in a few years anyway. So it's, it's a weird position and a, and a unique question. I think a lot of people like you would be an idiot not to take that invitation, but I, I think one, I'd rather go to the big 10 because I think there's just w- more winnable, but um, I don't know. It, it It's a good question. I think did the playoff save conferences? I think did it did. It? I think or it did along it. I yeah. think it did. And I think the way that they set this up again, I don't know. I, I struggled to give them that much credit. I don't know if they thought that this way, but what it did is it saved conferences because the way this was going, especially this last off season was you have Southern conference, which is the sec and you have the Northern conference, which is the big 10. 
plus USC and UCLA. And then you have every other college program. And there's really no difference now between, you know, not, I don't know, Colorado State and Texas Tech. Like there was no difference between those teams anymore. And what this format does is now it's like, hey, maybe Boise and San Diego State should stay in the Mountain West instead of going to the Pac-12. There's no difference between Colorado State and Colorado at this point. Like, there's just, there's for real. I mean, if essentially, no. if you if you handle your business, you will you will have an opportunity Don't, to compete for a title. And that's probably how it should. Like, if you're trying to think of like what's the best way to construct a sports league, that's probably how it should be. Like, there's no reason you know, Ole Miss or Arkansas should be put on this pedestal above programs that have just as good of fans, care just as much about football, have better winning history. But just because Alabama and LSU and Georgia win a bunch of games, now they have a bunch of money. You know, I, I think it I think this kind of saves some of that that little bit of integrity well, in competition that's left in college football. Well, you get a little bit of that back. I'll say this. I think what this is also going to do to that point, and Sam, I know I, I, I love the Mountain West. I love these other conferences just as much as you. This format is going to allow – people been asking for that smoke, okay? Some of these schools have been asking for the opportunity to play Alabama, have been asking for the opportunity to play Oklahoma, have been asking for the opportunity to play Georgia. They're going to have that opportunity – I don't like know if they're going to like the way that it looks, but I'm glad they have the chance. <laughs> exactly. That. Exactly. And um, that being put, said, 24, 25s, when we're looking at this, most likely four SEC teams are in that. I could mean, be. very, and there, very there's gonna well be, could be. Yeah. More, I'd say you're going to get three SEC teams most years, right? That that's that seems like a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, four uh, very possible. And we could, I, it, five is possible too, I suppose. Like it, it, depending on wh- how the numbers shake out, I think five is possible. Um, there was some, some tweet that went out the other week about three or four SEC teams are going to get in the final four a lot of years. And I, to that, I just was like, okay, you can say three may happen here or there, but four SEC teams for one, the quirk of just being lined up against each other and having it work to, to get you to the final four is so unlikely, but three could happen. Four is like one. It's never happened in college basketball. And I know it's a lot different, but it's never happened to note. Um, But it is, it's likely never going to happen in college football. Never say never, but it's extremely, extremely unlikely for all the sec lovers that it's just far and away the best. Like, I don't think that's ever going to happen to that point. I had this under fears, but it kind of fits. I don't know if this is a fear as much as it is a question mark. I wonder how conferences like the SEC, who knows that they are already regarded as the best conference, which in my opinion, I believe that they are by a wide margin, but people will debate it. How willing are they going to be to schedule really difficult out-of-conference games in the regular schedule, in the regular season? Like, What is Alabama's incentive to play Penn State in the regular season, if they're already going to get the benefit of playing in the SEC already, wouldn't you rather schedule a New Mexico State, an Alabama Central A&M or some, or some school like that? It's a good point. I, I don't see why any of these blue blood teams who are already going to be weighted. I use weighted as a throwback to the BCS. Like if you're already going to be weighted as being in that conference, 
What is your incentive to ever travel? Forget forget a home and home to schedule any type of difficult matchup with an out-of-conference opponent. I see zero. It's going to change the way people construct their schedules and potentially construct their conferences going forward. Because the great thing about the 14 playoff and even the BCS was that it did encourage these out-of-conference games that challenged you because if you don't have a good strength of schedule, you're not going to measure up at the end of the year. That isn't gone, but it's it's being somewhat eliminated, like you said. So a lot of people might go to the Michigan model where you play essentially nothing out of conference every single year and you you rely on your Big Ten strength of schedule and you win all your games and you go to the playoff. And I think that you'll start seeing less of those marquee out-of-conference matchups to not put you at risk. I also wonder if it will like, you know, what is the perfect conference for to make this playoff to maximize your chances every year of getting in this playoff? And it would be a, t- a 10 team conference, essentially like less teams. Cause that just increases your odds of winning on a decade basis. And, you know, Maybe Say not it. not as weaker <laughs> twelve. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the, the big twelve. Big 12. Te- no top tier teams. It's like, the Big Twelve because you want to be in a conference. It's the Big Twelve or it's the ACC. It might be the there's, ACC. There's mm-hmm. such a separation between, like, think of it as obviously it's a different sport. Think of Gonzaga in college basketball. The difference between Gonzaga most years, not this year, and everybody else is a million miles. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you see that in the ACC with Clemson as it's currently constructed right now. Meanwhile, Florida State may have something to say about that. Miami would like to have something to say Mm -hmm, about that. mm -hmm. But then you also shift over to the Big 12 where you play everybody in your conference once. And it's kind of a crapshoot. You never know who's going to win the Big 12. And you're going to put yourself in a position to be in the playoff basically every single year, especially with no Oklahoma. I mean, they, they were the class of that conference. They won it almost every year. And like, they did themselves a huge disservice by leaving. Now they're going to get Texas. a boatload of money. Yeah. And Texas, but Texas wasn't winning it anyway, <laughs> but, <laughs> That's very but Oklahoma literally would have been in the playoff like every year under this model, every single freaking year. And now they're at risk of, if they're not the fourth best team in the sec, which they very well might not be, they're not getting in. I have a couple points. One, uh, one about Virginia, or one or two about Virginia Tech. But going back to what Billy Ray said, um, if you're interested, uh, Lock to Saturday podcast, hit that up. Gonzaga is now plus one ten on DraftKings and FanDuel to win the regular season of the West Coast Conference. Ooh, plus They're, odds to win their conference. Yeah, and wow. they are only one game back, and they have two games left against St. Mary's. So wow. that's a hot on, one. Hop on that. <laughs> um, anyways. Scheduling wise. I'm sorry. I wanted to just give two auxiliary benefits when you get a chance of this format. Yeah. Yeah. That are just like not related to. I'm just saying scheduling. I think scheduling is a different thing. And I don't think athletic directors think about that. I think they think about money. Um, Okay. That's what athletic directors think about. If Chick-fil-A says, Hey, you want to play Bama in Atlanta to start the year? Here's your check. Sure, sign it. Let's go. Yeah. But that, um, but, but, but Bama, then you, Bama's the counter example, though, because Alabama has consistently chosen to play not as intriguing matchups for whatever reason. Well, they're not intriguing because um, they kill everybody. Because they kill everybody. <laughs> I mean, if look at, I mean, look at, look at tech schedule. Like, look at twenty twenty four, Vanderbilt, Marshall, Old Dominion, Rutgers. That's a playoff year, baby. 
that's a playoff year. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's that is that might be that might be the strategy, guys. I know yeah. it sucks, but that might be the strategy. I mean, because... that's what Duke Duke does. They don't play anybody out of conference. It boosts yeah. the win total. They get the bowls. It and and now. I don't know how long Elko's going to be there, but Duke looks like they could be a little bit of a problem going forward. And and for Virginia Tech, big things. Obviously, we talked about ten and two. That's an attainable number to get to for a a mid to upper tier college football program. But also, it increases the the hope. And if anyone listens to anything Brandon Walker says, there's two currencies in college football: it's hope and hate. And hope can do a lot of things for a college football program. It can get donations. It gets fans in seats. It gets players excited. It can do a lot. There's a lot more hope in this model. And I also think it helps define what a successful season is. And I know growing up as a fan, it was always 10 wins. Like 10 wins, and that's a successful season. That's what you want. And under Frank Beamer, that was the standard. Now I think it's you get in the playoff, that's a successful year. You get close to the playoff, Eh, you were close. If you're a team like Virginia Tech, you kind of take that in three to four year increments and say, hey, if we get the guys, if we get veteran leadership, if we get talent, we're well coached. Every three to four years, maybe we end up as a top 12 team. Maybe that's the goal that you're trying to achieve. And I think mm-hmm. that's a much more realistic goal for programs than, you know, gee, I hope we win the Belk Bowl this year. Like, that's kind of lame. It's so much more excitement. And, and, it is worthy to note rebellions are built on hope. So let's, let's go with that for all my star Wars fans out there. But I, I wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to ask you guys on that note, what are, what's the earliest tech can compete for a playoff spot, get in the top 12, get in whatever it is, uh, conference champ or at large bid. Is it 2024, you know, two seasons from now, is it 2026, four seasons from now? Like what, what is the timeline on when you, or maybe even when you think it's reasonable that we should have a shot at one? I think it's so hard, especially now with the portal, with how fast your roster can change. And you look at a team like Auburn who adds Cam Newton and makes it into the top two. So you're literally, especially in college football with how important a a quarterback is to you, you're a move away from being an opportunity. You're a move away from being in the conversation. Um, I think Sam's way of explaining it makes the most sense to me where every four years, I mean, I would hope I, I would like to think that Virginia tech's expectation would be to try to win the conference or at least compete for a conference champion conference championship every I'd like to say three to four, but it's probably closer to five to six years for an opportunity. Uh, with, the, with the devolving of the uh, Atlantic and the coastal, where you're no longer benefiting from not having to go against Florida State and not having to go against Clemson anymore, it's going to be the top two teams out of the entire conference. Um, I think every three to four years, that's how you start to measure it. And that's maybe how coaches and how colleges evaluate their coaching staffs now. Instead of okay, we went to a bowl this year. We didn't go to a bowl this year. No, no, no. For those mid pro, for those mid tier programs, it's you've had four years to be in the conversation for the playoff. You are or you are not, and that's really what it boils down to. A way of looking at it, Billy, with with the getting rid of the divisions makes it so if you're playing for your conference title game, you're in the conversation for the playoff. 
Right. And so what's a reasonable amount of time for tech to be like, to make a conference championship game, play for the ACC title. And in this age of college football, basically if you're not moving up, you're moving out as a coach. Right. So if we don't increase, you know, three wins this year, but to, to four five to eight, to maybe like how many years you need nine wins to compete for the ACC title playing the game. So at probably at least. So how, I mean, you're, gonna make say, you're bullying me into saying it. So I'll just say it. I mean, I, I, I feel like we want this soundbite. Right? Like, no, sound that's bite. not what I'm trying to do. No, no, I, 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 I bully was a bully was aggressive word, but I feel like like two to two to three years, you should be like, okay, we're rebuilding this team. We should be put the, the, the freshmen and the sophomores that we have recruited into Virginia Tech should be getting into being older mm-hmm. guys. And you'd want, hypothetically, to be in that conversation. And again, it's so hard to even predict when you go into a season with a roster of people, how's it going to shake out with injuries and everything else. But with this added wiggle room of, hey, if a guy misses a week or two weeks, it doesn't matter. If you have good style leadership, you have a good culture, and you have a talented football team, you should be in that conversation. And I feel like Virginia Tech, even though back in between 2000 or 1995 to 2010 could have made it a ton in that time period, every third or every other year, I'd like to at least be in the conversation when you get to you yeah. know November football. I think it really comes down to are you playing meaningful football in November? Yep. And that's going to yep. mean so much more now because if you're playing meaningful meaningful football in November, it no longer means, hey, we might go to the Belk Bowl, like you said, Sam, or we might go to the uh, Gator Bowl. If you're playing meaningful football before Thanksgiving, you're legitimately have a chance to compete for a title if you have if you have two losses, which has never been the scenario in college football. But that's where we are. So yeah. to answer your question, I'm hoping in the next three or four years that we're in that conversation. Yeah, and that's that's the answer. Um, look at. Virginia Tech plays South Carolina in Atlanta on it's either going to be the 31st or September 1st of 2024. What? Okay. What or is a storyline game um, that is going to be? Actually, that might be 25. That's 25. L- let me say that 25. Well, that's the year walking, I'm, I'm walking oh into that game. I I want to walk into that game and saying. This is the year Virginia Tech's back on a national scale. Maybe not Natty. I mean, not, not Natty, but I want to be talking in about, the conversation. To, in the conversation. That's. I think that's all. And that's really year want. four for Pry. That's so, year I four. Mean, that's year yeah. three would be nice to be competitive, win eight games, win nine games. And I this sucks because in the framework of Virginia Tech history from '95, like you know, ten ten years ago, like I would be appalled at the idea that we're not going to compete for three, four years. But things have changed. And unfortunately, that's the case. Florida State is coming. And as bad as Miami was, and they always seem to, to mess it up, like I think Cristobal is going to end up being a pretty solid hire for them. Time will tell. But it's not it's not getting easier right now with, with the way Clemson is still going and FSU is always going to be around and Miami's eventually going to get it together. UNC played well this year. So, yeah, year four for Brent Pry. If you're not competing for the conference title – and, and you're not seeing a, the build happening, like improvement, then it might be time to, you know, move out, but like, you know, move on or whatever. But like, that's the year I would say is reasonable for tech fans to think we should be competing for a conference title. Yeah. In 2025 tech place that, that big South Carolina game, which is going to be big, no matter how, yeah. the, how the programs are um, 
big in a in a more um monumental emotional way well, for if fans. shane is there too like that's still because he could i mean there's been talk of shane getting a bigger job like so yeah. hopefully he's still there because that you, would be awesome you, you play south carolina the other three kind of non-conference are, are vanderbilt at home old dominion at home and jmu at home finally we get three non-conference home games <laughs> um you avoid clemson and you avoid carolina on your conference schedule that year for me Obviously, this is a fool's errand looking ahead a couple of years in yeah, college football. Yeah. But you look at it and you're like, okay, we should be competing for nine, ten wins that season, right? Under if you're going on a step by step basis, hey, we win two more games next year, two more the year after that. You should be competing for that. Yeah. I think it's a reasonable expectation. Billy said the thing about you can do turnarounds quick with the portal. I mean, look no further than TCU, and and they weren't even so reliant on portal. They just had. They had what Fuente had, a lot of inherited talent that they had the right coaches come in, great offensive coaching staff, and you know, championship game notwithstanding. <laughs> they had an incredible season, and they turned it around literally in one year. And so this, this day and age in college football, it can happen faster than ever. I hope something like that happens for Tech. I kind of see more of an NC State, even, even Clemson-esque build, which took time and took coaching change and all that kind of thing. Uh, I hope it happens as fast as possible, but by year four, I would expect us to have hopefully that 10 to 15% chance of making the playoff. And also it expands the conversation during the off season too. Cause the off season this past year was just, okay, let's talk about Georgia. Let's talk about Ohio state. Let's talk about, you know, and then everybody else. Yeah. Now you're expanding that conversation to like, if we had a college football playoff into next year, you're talking about Florida state. You're talking about Utah you're talking about Oregon, you're talking about a ton of teams with the opportunity to get in. And I guess you have more of a responsibility to dive into other teams. And Tech's not just being talked about in November, but if Tech has a senior-laden team, you're getting some of that airtime and you're getting some of that conversation and you're thinking about it during the offseason. You know? So um, that's another kind of component of it as well. Auxiliary benefits. We Billy talked about opt-outs of regular season games, but for those four bowl quarterfinals, because keep in mind the first round is not bowl games, they are home games, um, but those four bowl quarterfinals, which will involve eight teams, that's less, in theory, less opt-outs for those eight really good teams. Like your Kenny Pickett's and your Kenneth Walker's aren't opting out, probably, if they're in a quarterfinal bowl game. So that is that's an auxiliary benefit to me, but... The other thing is the coaching carousel, which spins wildly from the end of November through December. That will slow if you've got more teams involved and coaches that can't commit to taking jobs because, hey, my team's in the playoff. I can't reasonably not coach this team. So I think that's actually going to be hugely beneficial for college football to slow a little bit of that stuff down. They're going to end up moving with all this. The portal early signing date, that stuff's going to get moved. Because it's just it's too crowded early December, so that could all change the calendar and make college football better to me. Yeah, I'm just I'm really excited to see how Virginia Tech kind of pounces at this opportunity. You know, it, it is if, if Virginia Tech goes wholeheartedly into football and with the investment and things like that, but also if you sell that to a recruit, hey, in a couple years we think we can be competing for a playoff spot and a chance to win a national title. I don't think a Virginia Tech coach has sold that in 15 years. Like, 
that's an incredible, incredible sales pitch that you can bring to an athlete. So if for me as a Virginia Tech fan, really, really excited about the possibilities going forward with this model. Yeah. Do we want to talk about, um, do we want to talk about any other fears that we may have left out? I think I got mine off my chest. I know Bill, you had a few more, but you, you talked about yours. Anything for you, Sam? I mean, the, the biggest fear is, again, we talked about setting that goal, that three to four, maybe four to five is a better way. I was just thinking three to four is in a time a recruit is on campus. Um, if you don't get that, are you going to end up just cycling through every four years a new coach? Or are you just going to start saying, why can't we, you know, that's kind of my fear because and I don't think that will be the case at Virginia Tech because I think Virginia Tech is much more patient with coaches than a lot of universities are. That that goes to you know the athletic director, and for better or worse, um, I I also think that there is a potential early on for this to be the SEC show, but that's because I they're really the best football. Teams. I, I got to be honest, Sam. I really don't see that. I I, I think like th- like three probably. I don't see four. I mean, I can't think of a lot of years where the SEC would have had four teams represented. I mean, you do have Alabama, you do have Georgia, then you kind of really have everybody else. And then you have to factor in the really, really good teams out of the group of five, the conference champions, you know, the uh, Pittsburgh's and Clemson's from last year. I just think there's enough other good teams to cancel out bringing in four or five teams from from one conference no and i I think that's more likely they may dominate the pool of teams that are in there that's what i'm wondering quite frankly they're gonna dominate they're gonna win the national titles i mean that's right they're gonna the same team i mean this has been the story in college football since the mid 1900s like you've had the same two or three teams every 10 years win the national title that's never been different right just because in the 90s it was nebraska and florida state and now it's Alabama, Georgia. It's not going to, this is not going to, it's fix no that. different. Yeah. 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 If you're a fan of Cinderella's, like you this want isn't the B- sport for you, you want the BCS because mm-hmm. we were that Cinderella in 99. Yeah. Like that, mm-hmm. that was because you, you don't have to face a gauntlet and SEC team. You don't have to face three super good teams to get to the finals. And like, could you imagine, like I said the thing about the getting the buy a couple times, but like you have to win four games. Yeah, it's not any given Sunday. It's not any It's not any given Sunday. It's four Saturdays in a row. Right. Whatever day they're playing it. Um I did think of one other one other uh fear, Billy. And it's sure. in that a lot of times in college football, you you win nine games, you win ten games, whatever, you go to a nice bowl, you win, you feel good, your fans feel good, and it, it's a lot of momentum for the following season. In this model more top end teams are going to end their season with a crushing loss. Yes. And now in the first round, you can lose, have your crushing loss, and then you'll still play in a bowl most likely, right? Cause the bowls will still happen after that. So you could still finish on a high note, but your season is still kind of ruined by losing that playoff game. So making the playoff great achievement and it will be celebrated in time. But I think that having half of these teams or I guess, 11 of these teams losing the last game wait, of their season. Wait, you're saying that if you make the playoff, you can go to a bowl after it. I might've just sounded. Yes. Awesome. Yes. If you, if you play a first round game and you lose, that's not a bowl game. 
that that's that's a first round playoff game. The Bulls are the following week for the quarterfinals. So you can lose a playoff game first round and then in, in theory, I think that's how it will work. Um whoa. I'm I'm curious to see. I mean, let's be honest, no one when we talk about we the Belk Bowl doesn't exist. I just use that as an option, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. Gasparilla Bowl, you know, Mayo Bowl, whatever. No one cares about them anyways. All right, fans. You don't care about them. You don't show up to games. The coaches don't care. They're taking new jobs. The players don't want to play in them. I mean, Tech played 80 walk-ons in the game a couple of years ago. The only reason you care is for sports betting. Um, yep. I, 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 I'm, <laughs> so, I'm TV. I'm going to disagree with you on this note. I think to say that as a sweeping comment, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Um, not not very many people really care enough for it to be important anymore. Well, I would say look back at the at Tennessee's game this year to end of this. Do you think that fan base cared about that bowl game? Well, that was that was a New Year's Six game. They yeah, the, the big, big ones game. they still care about. I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I, it's the tragic kind of cares about. Yeah, and it is sad. Yeah, but it, it's, it's sad to reality. see the stands empty and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I hate it. But the other thing is, you lose a say you, you lose your first round playoff game. You play in the Gasparilla Bowl. It won't be that one. It'll be something a little bit better. Right. But it's not a New Year's Six Bowl. So now you're playing after you've lost a playoff game. How many right. players are opting out of that thing? Like I, I, almost, <laughs> wish, I almost wish we would – this won't happen, but I almost wish we would get away, give away, do away with the other bowls. I really do. Yeah. Um, because It's not going to happen. They purposely saved them for quarterfinals and semifinals. Right. So I, I kind of wish that we would have – would have gone away with them. And Sam, to, we, we kind of moved past this, but I just want to bring it back. Uh, you were saying, are we going to cycle through coaches every four years? I think from a fan base health perspective, let's look at a Steve Spurrier, right? At South Carolina. That fan base probably wasn't jazzed that they went to the Gator Bowl and they played Michigan. When in reality... That was a really good season for South Carolina with Garcia and everybody else. You go and meet that Michigan team now instead of like a twenty. Like I'm just going to use this one for example for Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech plays in the Belk Bowl in 2016, and in the moment you're like, "Wow, this is really cool. We're playing in Arkansas." But then you look back at it retrospectively, like, "Wow, the best that we have to cling to is the Belk Bowl in 2016." It sounds a lot different off of your tongue when you say in 2016, we were a win away from competing for a national championship. So it's a little easier to kind of measure where it is because as silly as this sounds, just the names of the bowl game can get the fan base to view a season in a certain regard than it does or does not. Because you'll think back and you'll say, oh, that Tennessee team in 2008 won the such and such bowl. That uh, South Carolina team in such and such year won the whatever bowl. And the verbiage of it kind of sounds silly, but when you put it in the context of they were a win over Vanderbilt away from competing for a national title or that year we made the national championship playoff, it sounds a little bit different. It makes it easier to kind of grade and understand exactly where you stand. I'll ask you this. As we go forward with this, and we have one more year of the four-team playoff, and to be quite honest, I don't think anybody thinks it's going to go differently than kind of what it did. I think you're going to see the same few teams up there. Um, yeah. Hope Kim Rising has something to say about it. Yeah. Hope Kim Rising. Oh, we're all in on Utah. I'm ready. Let's go. Um, yeah, go Utes. No, it's, and they're deserving teams. I mean, the best teams in the country. Going forward, I think if you're a Virginia Tech fan, 
do you now kind of look at this as in I'm now more excited to support the program because I know that the goal that Virginia Tech has, has never hit in its athletics entirety is so much more attainable now than it was, than it's ever been. Even with 99, I mean, they had to be perfect. Are you a little more excited? Because my, my kind of feeling. I'm not only because of Natty just seems so impossible. Yeah. I was literally about to say that. And I don't want to sound like a, I don't want to sound like a negative Nancy and I'm not trying to sound like a negative Nancy specific to Virginia tech. And maybe not. Let me, let me rephrase that. Okay. Fan slash alum of, program that's not georgia bama ohio state oklahoma Still, I, I, yeah and I, was, I was gonna say it for all of those i i think you have just changed the conversation from more teams have the opportunity to be in the conversation than more teams have the opportunity to win because i hate to break it to you the same teams are going to win the national championship oh yeah, they just yeah, are. yeah. um it, it's so yeah am i more excited Yes. Do I think, wow, Virginia Tech now has a, you know, a, a 15 times the chance to make the national championship than it did in 2016? No. Um, but I guess it is conceivably closer, but that gap still exists. It, it went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's exactly. You know, if I cut you off, am I more excited? Absolutely. Yes, I am yeah. more excited be- to make the playoff. Because just making the playoff, playing in one of those games, especially if it's a home game, I mean, good Lord, that would just be so freaking cool. One of the coolest events. Like, think about our the state of Virginia, right? And the, the big sporting events that have happened there. Not having, like, what are the pro sports teams in Virginia historically? There haven't been many. So, like, if you play a home playoff game in Virginia, that's going to be one of the biggest sporting events in the state ever. Like it, like that is so thrilling. That prospect of being the five through eight seed alone is enough for me to be jacked up about this. And so it's not about winning a title. And I never want to close the door on that because if you can build up a Baylor and a TCU and a Utah and Clemson from being just a joke for 40 years and then winning multiple national titles, it can happen anywhere. If you find the right coach and the right funding and who knows, maybe it's already on campus, but I'm just excited for the format in general because it provides so many more opportunities to watch more Virginia Tech football on a big stage. There are parallels too that have existed in the near uh, in the near term for Virginia Tech, and this is just the honest answer. Did I ever anticipate Virginia Tech winning the national championship in baseball last year? No, I never for a second thought that was even conceivable. But the thought of going to Omaha, Nebraska even if it meant going and losing to Ole Miss in four games or getting crushed by anybody, just having the opportunity and having the chance to go and watch my team compete on that pedestal or the softball team or the the wrestling team even. You look at wrestling, wrestling's having an amazing year and they're continuing to get better and I don't want to put a ceiling on what they're doing. But the gap between eight in college wrestling and three, two, and one is miles and miles and miles and miles so the short answer is yes um but that's a that's kind of a good comparison there is that being in the conversation is worth so much that i do i would care a lot if we won a national championship but it's just cool to even be in the conversation yeah yeah the point about omaha was is a good one 
It's mm-hmm. it's so it's so true, and we were all rooting for that so hard. Right. And with with the women this year in basketball, right? Like that's our our closest team sport to winning a national title right now. Um, and even if they don't win, because South Carolina is just ridiculous, and and there's other really good teams. If they make the final four, though, like that would be sick. Like mm-hmm. that would be absolutely hang a banner. Yeah, like it's yeah. so. I mean, it it can. Ha- I know football is a different animal, um, but it can happen in sports. I mean, four probably four years ago, I was in tots with a friend making a bet that Virginia Tech wouldn't finish last in the ACC for the third straight year. Uh, and last year they were hosting a super regional, and this year they're top fifteen and the second highest ranked ACC team. Yeah, this so, is Mr. Baseball we got on here. I forgot about that. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean it's crazy. Things can happen. You get the right coach, you recruit good talent, you develop that talent. Anything can happen in sports. I mean, the freaking Cincinnati Bengals are in the AFC title yeah. game. <laughs> Again. Are you kidding me? Again. Again. <laughs> Again. Anything can happen in sports. Yeah. Um, I guess uh Looks like we've hit just about everything here. I know we have a gambling line at the end, but I'll just say this. What can I not wait for? USC to play Michigan and Ann Arbor. I can't wait for Miami to play Iowa in 10 feet of snow. Yeah. I can't wait for a team like Oregon to come to Virginia Tech or the opportunity to go to Eugene. Like All of these things oh, are so damn exciting, regardless of what the final score is or anything else. Um it is – I've come around on it, and uh, I think it's going to be really cool, and it's going to create some awesome, awesome travelings. And I guess if you're willing to I'll, – I'll, I'll finish with this. If you're willing to jump into the planning nightmare that this is going to be, can we also stop scheduling games 10 years in advance? Yeah, we need to stop doing that. Like if yeah, we're able to, to do this, happening. can we stop? Uh, seriously, I mean, I mean, know. COVID proved you don't need to do that. No, it, it proved it. Like because no, all those games were thrown together in six months or less, mm-hmm. and so I, I, one quick question before we go: If you could host a playoff game at Virginia Tech, team coming to Lane, which team would you want to play? And like of any team, which cool game? Like who do you want? Could we do to going? Could we do going to? Going to sure, sure. Either way. Oh, I'll I'll do coming to first. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to. No, change. man, it's, it's I'll, I'll I'll give you one and one. Give me a second to think about it. I mean, I would absolutely love love to go to Oregon. I think going to Oregon would be cool. I think going to uh, I think going to this is going to be out of left field. I know I'm an Ole Miss fan, but going to Mississippi State would be really cool. Going to Texas A&M because Texas A&M and Mississippi State, in my opinion, are very mm-hmm. similar schools. Well, we're uh, similar to Texas A&M with the core cadets and all. Right. So any something like that would be awesome. Um, I was thinking Tennessee there or in lane oh, would be epic. Like with how close the schools are or WVU. Like, I mean, I don't want to go to WVU, but hosting them would be pretty cool in a playoff game. It would. It would. Penn State. I mean, we've been begging to play Penn State for the last decade. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's one. The, the Penn State game needs to happen. I know. God. Um, that was going to be awesome. Oregon's a great one. I would love to go see like a night game in Provo, Utah would be insane. <laughs> the tailgate uh, might not be that good. <laughs> I make the tailgate good. They can't stop me. I'm not a student. Let's go. We go. Uh, we get, that'd be in January. We can go skiing in uh, Park City before the game. It'd be, oh, it'd be let's go. It. Um, um, I, I think that would be just, I, 
I mean, gosh, oh, I could spend LSU an hour. like Death Valley. Uh, I mean, we've done that <laughs> in 07, didn't, didn't go, go well, but go hosting well. them in 2003 did go well or 2002. Think about, think about the weird, weird, dude, let's, let's get weird. Let's <laughs> get imagine, weird. imagine like, imagine a bad Alabama team, bad meaning not a top five seed, having to go play Syracuse in the carrier. Dome. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, can you even fathom what that would be like? Alabama fans getting on a plane and getting off in Syracuse, New York and wearing parkas and heading over to the Carrier Dome to Didn't watch Syracuse win ten games like three years ago. Like they they might have made the playoff. <laughs> that, that is such an insane. That's thing not that's even... not weird enough. <laughs> okay, that's not weird okay, enough. Let's Imagine get the lowest elevation school in the country, the Miami Hurricanes, traveling to the highest elevation school in the country, in the Wyoming Cowboys, to play in Laramie in Ooh. four feet of snow in front of a crowd that's already raucous when they play. I don't know if a single Miami play. fan would go. <laughs> not a single one. They don't even go across town. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, that would be sick, dude. And I mean, there's so there's so many play, schools that haven't even considered playing each other. My like, you have a Miami going all the way to play Washington. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Be really cool. I, it, I have one more thing before we go because I know we're we're getting long here. Sure, yeah, yeah. we are. Um, Pete, I, I know. You're this is this is your first Sons of Saturday esque pod, right? It is, it is. Cherry is popped. Um, so I want to, oh. we do want to bring over one tradition. Uh, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> I, I'm, Billy might like this one actually. Like, I'm drinking the Ship Bottom, uh, Hop and Hazy IPA. Ship Bottom is a I'm town a right kid. near LBI, Long mm-hmm. Beach Island in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great hazy ipa six percent alcohol if anyone that listens to the 2d podcast knows that's right in my wheelhouse i don't love the the nine percenters and the sessions just don't do it for me so anything six to seven and a half that's that's what i love so a little shout out to jersey and a little hazy ipa over here you know because everyone everyone loves how we always drink ipa (laughs) i didn't do it you don't need to have a ponytail to drink an ipa (laughs) as as opposed to uh to public belief this This was a fun conversation. I, I think I think you can hang your hat on. Look, this is good for college football. It solves a lot of pr- – while it's not the perfect solution, it solves a lot of the issues that we have seen. And hopefully, hopefully over time, this mitigates or limits the vast, vast gap that exists in college football. And I do honestly think that this has a chance to do so. Yeah. Without further ado, um, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Pete. Pete, we're excited to have you on the team. And uh, again, for all of you listening on the Too Deep feed, make sure you keep it here. This will be the Memory Lane podcast feed. Uh, have some awesome games we're going to preview here. We, uh, Pete, do you actually want to announce which one we're, uh, we're doing next year? Yeah, so in 2017, there was an epic game between UVA and Virginia Tech basketball. And we know the basketball team's struggling a little bit right now, but because it's basketball season and because we got the UVA come UVA game coming up on 2-4, we're going to start with the 2017 double overtime game against UVA. I believe that was the ball on the rim game. London Parentis. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just, it, I remember where I was when it was on and, and everything. So we're going to bust that out as the first episode in a week and a half, I guess. It'll probably be the first of February, but we'll get the details ironed out and let you know. But that will be the first memory lane. We're going to start with basketball. But if you've got suggestions for football games, send them along. We've got a long list of just games we loved. And I'm not sure we have a perfect criteria yet for like how old does the game have to be? You know, like 
is there certain things about it that have to be in place for it to qualify for a rewatchable or a memory lane game? But there's going to be a lot of football games. We'll do a few basketball games. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and that will be primarily off season. Although they might be sprinkled in all throughout the year. Thanks so much for tuning in again. If you're on the Sons of Saturday feed, make sure you subscribe to the Memory Lane feed. And without further ado, we will talk to you come February. Talk down where you got to go.